If you didn't notice the title of this podcast, it is part two with Melissa Young. If you haven't heard the first part, go back and listen. It'll make a lot more sense that way. Hope you enjoy the second part. Thanks. Bye. Hello and welcome to Fragmenters, the most entertaining podcast that I've found where you get to have a conversation with business women who are enthusiastic about life, work, and money. We love building up other women and getting them ready for their new careers. Cause, 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 no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. What's some good advice you want to give people listening? Like we do it. Besides fail fast, because you always get that one. <laughs> um, you know, I really believe that part of it is is just value the fact that you do have unique things that you're bringing to the team and know your worth. And I think that that's something that as women, we are especially not good at. We don't automatically go into it assuming that we're the smartest person in the room or that we're the most capable or, and oftentimes we're told we're not the smartest in the room and not the most capable, but really get clear with yourself, understand what your value is, know what you bring to the table. Don't apologize for that. And, and then really get in there and, and offer that, that value that you have because it is unique and the next person may be extraordinarily qualified, but they're not you. And, mm-hmm. and you're still going to bring something that they don't bring to the table. And so do the work to find out what that is and embrace it and, and don't, don't downplay it. Don't look over it. Um, it's real. Yeah. Well, and sometimes your biggest complaint, I mean, complaint that others have of you is usually your superpower. I'm coming to find out Yeah. one thing that everyone hated when I was growing up is the question why I was that toddler that asked why and you answered and I asked again like a hundred times before I was sent to the other room to play with my Legos to just go away you know but now I am incredibly innovative yeah and that my my inquisitiveness that was an annoyance and still is a lot of the times, especially <laughs> with people who are very proud of what they have. Yes. And they don't want, want to see anything, but what they have as the best. It's very hard for them. And they're like, you know, it just the way it is. And I'm like, eh, eh, I, I do not do that that well. So if you can show me, if you can, if I can read it or see it, then I will agree. But if you're just saying, because it has to be, that's a no for me. Yeah. And so often you, I'm a big questioner too. And I always say I'm a processor. Like I ask a lot of questions and I kind of have to, in my head, go through all that information to come up with my own answers or conclusions. Mm -hmm. And so when I started doing project management, I wasn't on the IT side. I was on the operations side. And then like I said, it's a skill set and it's like a toolbox. So you can move that over to other parts of the business or other industries. And that's how I sort of shifted into IT. But one of the very first things was that the people that were more technical, when I would start asking my questions, they're like, you're on the project side. You don't need to know that. I do need to know that because that's how I come up with the solutions that I come up with. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times people want to hold that information. And I think sometimes it's because they don't think you're going to understand it. 
-hmm. And I think sometimes it's like a job security. Like they're almost afraid to give their proprietary knowledge to somebody else. There's enough work for all of us. There's enough to be done, enough to be fixed. And if you're constantly holding on to what you're doing, you're not moving up. So you, you should embrace when people want to ask those questions and give them all that information because it's opening a place for you to, to move somewhere else and to let them step into that role if that's what they so desire. So I'm like you, I ask all the questions and I don't care who it drives crazy. That is such a good point that I have never really put together. So I call them the secret agent men. (laughs) It's, I don't know why since I was a kid, but you know, that person that has the information and will not share it with you, even Mm -hmm. if like, I can see they're like, you're working on this one project, you're never going to need this information again. So no, I'm not going to share it with you. Right. I can see their logic. I don't agree with it, but I see it. But there was one time where I was hired on to replace an individual and they, it was pulling teeth to get them to train me on anything. Yeah. Pulling teeth. And I was like, I'm here to replace you. Like you're leaving. You've got one foot out the door. You have to give me this information because once you leave, it's gone. Mm -hmm. Like we need this. And that individual was amazing at their job, but that's all they did. Right. And I never put together, if you are not willing to share that knowledge and trust other people to do the work you're stuck like yeah absolutely I had a project team not long ago that one of the girls the technology what she feared and what she felt is that it was going to eliminate her position Mm. and she wasn't wrong because oftentimes technology does automate processes that people are doing today And this is where I think I go back to that superpower of being able to kind of straddle both sides. Mm -hmm. So even though I was on the project and the technical side, when I saw what was happening, um, I sat down with her personally and had a conversation and just said, I really feel like you're, you're not giving me the information that I need to make the project be successful. And it seems like it's possible that you're trying to hold on to this because you're afraid that once we go live with this, you're gonna lose your job. And at first she was a little resentful that I had said that as directly Mm -hmm. as I had, but after a few conversations, when she got to know me a little bit better and realized that she could trust me, I was coming to her as another human. I was not coming as somebody that was trying to take her job or eliminate her position. And, and she said that, you know, she had been doing this for X number of years and, and she was absolutely fearful of losing her position. And so one of the things I talked to her about, is like, what would you like to be doing? So if you weren't doing this thing, that's so manual and such an administrative burden, what would you like to be doing? And she hadn't thought about it because she'd never had the opportunity to do so. Right. But when she did, she had other things that she was interested in and she never would have had that opportunity to do those things if we didn't finish this project out and basically eliminate her position. Right. It didn't eliminate her job though you know, we moved her into something else and, and she got to try to do new things that she had never had the opportunity to do before, but she didn't see it that way. She saw it as a threat. And it's like, I had to remove that threat from her or for her so that she could see the opportunity because there is an opportunity there. You just have to find out what it is. Right. Yeah. It's that thinking outside the box. Mm -hmm. So 
Toughest question. Okay. What do you do for fun? See, that's easy. Um, <laughs> and I know I heard you say at one point that a lot of times, especially women that are professional, like we mm-hmm. don't focus enough on the fun, but I don't know. I think there comes a point in your life. It's that like 40 and over when, when things shift a little bit, I'm a giant nerd. And as you can tell from this call, um, <laughs> so is my boyfriend and he's also my best friend and we love road tripping and we do geocaching. We enjoy droning beautiful places. We like to explore abandoned things. And then my hobbies outside of him, um, I do chaos gardening and journaling. And then whatever creative endeavor I'm interested in at that particular point in time, I I sort of switch it up. It's usually something crafty. Girl, you cannot just (laughs) graze over chaos gardening. Chaos gardening is the (laughs) best. What is that? So my mom has like the ultimate green thumb and I was not born with that green thumb, but as I'm getting older, I am enjoying plants and and gardening, but I don't like like the traditional where it's all organized and you've got all the same, you know, containers and all the same plants and everything else. So um, all of my stuff is, a lot of it's in containers. It's all over the place. It's different kinds of plants. There's a lot of native plants. There's a lot of stuff that's planted for the pollinators and that attracts my backyard's like a wild kingdom. I feed the squirrels and the raccoons and the possums and all kinds of lizards and bugs. And it's fabulous. That does sound fabulous. So I'm going to steal another question from, I was just on another podcast, the Empowering Women podcast, Very which nice. is really good. But What's your favorite book? Well, that's a hard question. Um, I know. It's a really hard question. I'm an avid reader and it's all over the board. So it's, you know, fiction, nonfiction, memoir, um, true crime. I don't even know how I would pick a single book. Actually, my, my very favorite book is a children's book and it's The Velveteen Rabbit. There you go. So not probably the answer that most, you know, grown ass adults would give, but yeah, that uh, the Velveteen Rabbit's always, I have multiple copies of it from different illustrators. And there's just, um, there's a part in there where they're talking about what is real. And it, you know, real is when, when somebody loves you. Um, so it, it's always left a, it always had a special place in my heart. And um, that would, I guess, if you really boiled it down, be my favorite book. That's awesome. I like that one too. And if we're going by number of copies we own of one, mine would have to be The Stand by Stephen King because oh, I think really? I have I think I have five. <laughs> I just can't get rid of. I get a new one because I collect Stephen King. I okay. have an entire um, just one bookshelf full of nothing but Stephen King. Oh, gotcha. And so I'm trying to get all hardback first edition you know, as good a condition I can. I have a couple unedited proofs, you know, so, but the stand, it influenced me so much when I first read it, that every time I get a new copy of it, I can't get rid of it. Even if I have two of the same editions, the same printing, everything, I just keep them. (laughs) How many times have you read it? Uh, Three, I think. Yeah. And have you seen that book? 
Absolutely. Yeah. It's like as thick as my face. It is. <laughs> It's it like is. a phone book. Exactly. It's a read for sure. It was, yeah, I like Stephen King. That's one thing I got from my mama. Oh. So do you have any questions for me? I'm all done interrogating. You're done interrogating? Well, yeah. let's talk about this whole fragmenters. Okay. And I don't think I've heard you talk about where that came from and where you want to go with it. Well, end goal is always world domination. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) But fragmenters, initially, it was just a selfish desire. I was looking for a podcast where women in male-dominated fields talked about succeeding in male-dominated fields. And I couldn't find one. Well, strike that. I found many podcasts about women in male dominated fields, but they could not keep my attention. I have ADHD. It's really hard to keep me focused. So when it is too, too structured, too fact filled, and I know that sounds bad, but when it, it, it's just too much for me to keep, I zone out. So I was looking for something a little bit more animated that talks about the women of it, not just this is what the job is. This is what the male domination is. This is griping about men because that essentially gives them the microphone again, even though they're not a part of it, it's still focusing on the men. Right. My goal was to find that podcast and I couldn't find it. So then I started reaching out to people who have podcasts and I was like, you should do this. And they're like, that's a great idea, but I'm overwhelmed. And I think it was like two or three times. And I was like, well, it's been years and this idea won't go away because I'm good at thinking of stuff and forgetting it, but that one stuck. So I was like, well, if no one else is going to do it, I guess I have to. (laughs) So that's where well, they say, is. Oh, create the thing that doesn't exist that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what I did. And I was like, even if I have 10 women that listen to it and share with their kids and we get one more person, one more female, one more, you know, one more. And I focus on women because it's what I know. Right. That's my zone of genius is women in male dominated fields. But I hope that people realize that it's all, we need diversity. I would like more men in nursing. Right. I would like more male teachers. You know, I would like more um, of every race working together. It's, It's not just women. That's just what I know and what I can talk to. So it's definitely, it's definitely more than that, but I can only do so much. Right. So I'm, I'm trying to do what I can. Um, end goal with it is to, I seriously have so many, I would love to be able to get STEM to girls earlier. So I don't know how that would look like, um, working with people who build toys so they can specify. I actually have a friend with a woman who works with making female um, female trajected toys. I don't know the word of it. So, um, maybe working with them or 
getting a nonprofit to expose girls to it. I don't know, but that's end goal is to just get girls exposed to STEM, know that they can do it, know that they can do anything and just equal it out. Yeah. Level that playing field. Yeah, that's it. Leveled playing field. So yeah, just as much as I, much as I can. I love it. And the name fragmenters that came up because, well, it's pretty funny. I was trying to think of names that kind of portrayed what I was going for. And I thought I was really smart and I came up with the name ambitious. So instead of ambitious, ambitious. Yeah. So I'm like, hell yeah, this is so good. Blah, blah, blah. And I go on Amazon and there's a book. And then I went on Apple podcast there's a podcast already called Ambitious. And you're like, damn it. <laughs> and I was like, I'm so smart because I stole it. And actually, I love the Ambitious podcast. I listen to it all the time. It's more spiritual and that stuff, but I love it. And I've worked with Katie because of it. So I'm very grateful for that path. But she stole my name way before I even came up with it. <laughs> but yeah, so I went with Fragmenters because each one of us, fragments the glass ceiling that we penetrate and we make it a little bit easier for the next one that's coming up hopefully so we each are little fragmenters I love it so that's it <laughs> is that your only question you got more yeah. for me um well no not really um <laughs> I think that it's always interesting you haven't talked a ton about what you do outside mm -hmm. of here if we get little bits and pieces and glimmers but I know you're also in a male-dominated field mm -hmm. and and that that's been part of your path as well oh, so what's sure. the best advice that that you have for for women in male-dominated fields Ooh, do it because you're passionate not for the money right I just I got, I got into it because I absolutely, honestly, because I absolutely fucking hated the job I was doing. I worked at a grocery store and it was just because I had a better job and then I moved. So I just took the first job I could, but I absolutely okay. hated the job. And this was the first one I, I could get. Yeah. So I just, it, it's like all of the big decisions in my life. I threw at a dartboard. That's how I ended up in Idaho too, just throwing at a dartboard and they hired me. But yeah, so I got into it and I was like, it pays much better. I'm not lifting up, you know, 60 pounds of milk over my head every day. It's, it's, it's a good thing. But then I actually learned about it and learned what you can do with it because I, spoiler word, I was not a nerd at all before I got into IT. Like I, I've always been a reader, but other than that, I knew how to make a PowerPoint and Excel document. I knew nothing about <laughs> computers and IT. I was not techie at all. So getting into it, I had to learn everything and I had no idea what tech is capable of. So, and like you said, it's not going anywhere. And it is always changing. Mm -hmm. So if you are passionate about it, then I say, go all in, go 
balls to the wall. And if you find the edge of it, or if you think it's outdated, or if you're just bored, you have a bazillion other options in it. So yeah. Yeah. And you do have to have a, an ability to deal with change. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a, another thing that I think discourages people from things like this because they don't like change. And if you can possibly find it in yourself to be driven by that and to kind of look at things in the spirit of continuous improvement and stay curious and be a lifelong learner, the potential is is out there. The possibilities are endless. And you can take these things specifically in IT and kind of apply them to whichever industry you're passionate about. So then you can take something you're good at and apply it to something you're interested in and make that your living. Right. And seriously, you could go out there and you could be the first person that 3D prints clothing. So if you're into fashion, you can fucking design it and 3D print it right there and then have it made. You know, tech can, you can do everything with tech. So that's definitely my, uh, Make sure you're passionate about it. And that's mainly uh, not just work, but life. Like this all can end any minute. And we have to, I just had this conversation with my oldest. You have to work. You really do. It's just, it's just the world we live in. We have to work in order to, to sustain life. And it may be something that you don't like just to begin with until you can find your passion and where you want to go. But doing that work, it makes you appreciate the not work. It makes you appreciate all the other things you have. So try to make what you're doing passionate, but, or a passion of yours, but before you get there, or if you're in a lull or something, just make sure that you appreciate where you're at and where you're going to get you to that passion. Absolutely. And, and like, to your point, we, we've got to work, but Mm -hmm. we're, you can also give yourself a good life. If, if you have a good work ethic and you, you make opportunities for yourself and, and then you get to do the things that you enjoy as well. So Mm -hmm. I, I certainly believe in that, you know, do what you love, but I also believe that we need to balance it out with, we don't have to love it, our work doesn't have to be our entire life. You know, I have this whole list of things that I'm interested in. And even though that may be a difficult question for a lot of people, I'm mm-hmm. at the point in my life where it's, it's absolutely critical to enjoy because we just don't know. We don't know how long we've got and you don't ever want to take it for granted. And I work hard, but I play hard too. Yep. Yeah. That I, I don't feel like I ever get to do it. So I'm going to steal it on your episode. What I do for fun is everything, (laughs) just (laughs) everything I have. I have to try something twice, not once because you don't know the taste of it the first time. So you got to try it a second time, but I love to cross stitch. I crochet. I read. I like to listen to books while I do other things so that I can multitask. (laughs) Um, I camp. I love camping. And I'm older, so we do have a camper. We're cheaters. We don't tent camp anymore. I used to look down on people who didn't, but now I'm 
old and creaky. So <laughs> I think we, you're practical. You can have more stuff with you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we do, we do camping, hiking, ATV. Um, I love to remodel. I love to decorate. I do so much when I'm not at work and that I learned my first position in IT. I gave it everything. Mm-hmm. And that that's when I learned how the corporate world works and you can be really, really replaced in an instant. Right. And once I learned that and saw it demonstrated, now I have super harsh boundaries. And once it's time for me to clock out, even as a lead, I'm out. Yeah. I mean, I will work a little bit of overtime, but everyone knows it has to be an emergency. Yeah. There's no, oh, can you just stay and do this one little thing? Everyone else? No, I can't. And I am with my family done. So yeah, they, it's like you said, they'll replace you in a minute, but you cannot get back that, that time with your family and your kids and your friends and working on yourself and and partaking in things you're personally interested in. Um, I don't have the greatest balance. I I do work more hours than I should. A lot of what I do, though, I really do enjoy. So Mm -hmm. I'm not doing it begrudgingly. Um, But then I look at at my boyfriend and he's he's got a much better balance and a, a much better view about it than what I do. I think part of that's like the millennials, though. He's younger than me. Mm -hmm. and and there's just a different approach it's it's like there is not the same structured you know you you live to work and you have to stay at the same company for you know your entire life in in order to be valuable and it's like just a much better balance it's so much healthier and although I don't know with all your jobs how you have time to do those things (laughs) But um, I, I'm glad you do, because I think that that's another thing, like that's part of the example to our kids is showing them that work is absolutely important. You have to do it and you should be good at it and you should enjoy it and make as much money as you possibly can. Um, but do not for one second forget that you are living a life and there are right. things that you should invest yourself in beyond just what you're doing at work. Yeah, I think mine is my outside endeavors. I fucking love. So I'm like, yes, I'm here working for not today. Today I have off with all of that stuff, but like picks on Wednesday, I'll be here working for four hours, which means I'll be making reels. And I will be, you know, if we have a bunch of customers, I'm not going to be stealing the places to make the reels. So I'll be sitting there listening to books and cross-stitching and, you know, so it's all about multitasking that's right all righty so if everyone wants to reach out and be your friend how can they find you well I would say if you want to network then LinkedIn is probably the best place to find me if you want to bullshit then find me on Facebook Um, (laughs) in both places I'm Melissa Young and I'm in Fort Worth Texas so I'm pretty easy to find nice I really need to get on LinkedIn. I mean, like I'm on LinkedIn, I set it up. And whenever I change jobs or build a business, I throw it on there, but that's it. I don't ever use it. So I really should probably utilize that better. I think it's one of those tools that it it really depends on what you're using it for. Mm -hmm. Whenever, um, if I'm looking for like, uh, we're putting together a project team that's going to have people 
that are outside the company. So kind of third party partners, it's, it is a great place to find things like that. And mm -hmm. to whenever there's something that's in your particular field and there's training that's available or opportunities that are available, um, you can certainly use it for things like that. But it's like I said, I don't find it nearly as social. I don't use it the way some people do where they're constantly reposting articles and, and talking to people on there. Mine is very much, you know, for my work and, and for the, the types of things that I train and, and get certified in. Um, and then I keep that totally separate than my social media. Those are completely different, different audiences, different purposes. The two mm -hmm. shall never meet. Except on this podcast. Except on this <laughs> podcast. And we're just going to get crazy with it. Exactly. <laughs> Alrighty. So that's all I have. Do you have any last openers, closers, words of wisdom? I don't think so. Afraid not. Okay. I do not either. I'm actually, I'm going to give myself homework and go home and read because I have the Velveteen Rabbit. So I'm going to go home and read it in your honor. Oh, I love it. So, all right. Thank you so much, Melissa. I really appreciate the, appreciate you being here with me and getting to see your face and talk to you finally. Well, this was fun. <laughs> I'm glad we got to do it. Thanks for asking me to be on the show. Awesome. I will talk to you later. Sounds good. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you had as much fun as I did. If you liked this, please rate, review, and subscribe to ensure that you can more easily find me in the future. Thank you again. Bye. We got the right stuff. We put the hammer right down.